Shazamatron and welcome to an extra special bonus near instant reaction episode review what's it of who back when a doctor who podcast or doc very recent past <laughs> i am leon and i have the esteemed pleasure nay privilege to be gazing across the ether upon my screen as the visage of none other than drew hello drew hello leon but don't make everybody jealous that you can see me and they can't <laughs> Don't worry, our mellifluous tones will guide you through your state of vertiginous envy. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, podcast lands, I bet you you're wondering, why am I listening to these two chaps? Well, let's put this into a temporal context. It is today, November 1st, 2021. Last night on Halloween, Doctor Who Flux started up with the very first episode, the Halloween Apocalypse. And this is our instant-ish reaction review. We will obviously at some point in fact, relatively soon, be catching up with New Who and uh, reviewing it properly. So this is going to be slightly uh, high level, but you'll see what we're, you'll see what this is. Tonight it's just us two, but when we do this in future, we will be more properly quarant and we will have a Marie and or a Jim, possibly both. Dang right. So, to kick us off, Drew, you had the magnificent idea uh, of writing a one-sentence review, a one-sentence summary of uh, of your impressions, and you asked me to do the exact same, which I have done. Brilliant! Would you like to start? Why not? My one-line review is as follows. I feel like they inflated my balls with laughing gas, and now I can't stop giggling as I carry them around the walls, ceiling, and floor. <laughs> wow! Okay, all right. <laughs> Is that not where you were going? Love it. Absolutely love it. They inflated your balls with laughing gas. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know what you were on at the time, but I want some, please. Okay, <laughs> here's my <laughs> one-sentence review. Too much action, too little plot, and a superfluous new companion in a story that's brimming with characters who might as well have been excised from early drafts of Praxius manages to somehow make Yaz less likable, yet is better upon second viewing and also... I like bright, shiny things, so I look forward to the continuation. Oh, well, that that was a lot. That was a 250-word rating without full stops. That's all that was. You said sentence. Yeah, you said I sentence. Know. Yeah. I should have been more specific. Has to no, fit. You said line, but there was uh, the paper was in landscape, and it was a very large... Yeah, sheet. I should have said portrait, 12-point, Times, Times New, Roman. New Roman. Yep. <laughs> A4... <laughs> Instead, you you got the Bayer Tapestry and doodled along the border. (laughs) That's exactly right. So it does seem that we represent not diametrically uh, opposing views, but certainly somewhat contrasting views. Well, I see where you're coming from. I really do. It absolutely was action and spectacle as first priority above everything else. And coming into this with what I'd seen previewed in clips and trailers and... All of that, apart from John Bishop's face, it was just look at the budget, look at the CG that yeah. we're throwing at this. And I was quite apprehensive. Like, I don't want six episodes of nonstop action, but after one episode of nonstop action, I could barely be happier. <laughs> really? So is that what you want? I mean, if that's what they're going to feed us over the next five episodes, this being a six episode arc, would you be satisfied? Well, no, but you know that that's not going to happen because what Chibnall loves more than anything else is a moody three or four minute chatathon with the TARDIS gently thrumming in the background and everybody is standing stock still 
and there's no dynamism or kineticism to the scene at all, and they're just swapping words. That will happen. That absolutely will happen. But I was glad that we didn't have that this time, because I thought they did a really good job with what they did have. I see what you're saying, and I am. I, I would also like to put a pin in the production values because they are off the chart. They are absolutely cinema grade. But I do expect, and not just expect. I I want in an introductory act mm-hmm. some kind of character setup. I would like to know more about these characters, and if I do get to learn anything about them, I would really like to be able to relate to them. I would like to find them sympathetic to some degree, and we barely got anything. Uh, Bishop's character, what's his name? Dan Stevens? Oh, is it? Is, is his surname Dan Steve? No, Dan Stevens is an actor, isn't he? I thought uh, John... B- Dan Lewis. <laughs> oh, you're right. Dan Stevens is what's-his-face... Um, the guest, uh, the beast. Oh yes, yes, that's it Dan is. Stevens, isn't it? Yeah, yes, very low singing voice. Handsome chap who now plays um, the boyfriend, the husband, the the date, whatever, the, in that German film. Anyway, uh, the uh, so you, you don't like John? Don't tell me you're gonna bash the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I'm also going to criticise this character because... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're such a pro. (laughs) I found Dan Lewis... Shall we start there? Do you want to talk about the new companion and the fact that there is a new companion in the first place? Well, yes, absolutely, because I disagree with you and I think he is set up quite well and is a bit sympathetic. He has multiple characteristics. He's already overtaken Yaz, frankly. I I agree with you. This is why I said I find Yaz less likeable here they've made her bolshy <laughs> They, they've given. They they responded to people saying this. This is a character with such mileage and potential. Make her experienced and clever and uh, resourceful. And they went slightly too far and they made her arrogant. And instead, they took all the heart potential and they fed it undiluted at this <laughs> freaking Dan Lewis. Is that his name? I'm never going to remember his name. Dan Lewis. Yeah, Dan Lewis. Dan Lewis. I've written it down here. Dan Lewis. It, yeah, it was like chugging a pint of lime cordial. <laughs> It really was. I mean, th- this guy is—he's—he's he's too goody goody. Like, why? Why? I I don't like this character. This is a character who oh, he's too likable, so you don't like him. Yeah, he is unlikably likable. <laughs> he has a he has a job and a career, but out of the goodness of his uh, heart, he goes and uh, conducts guided tours at a museum, despite that not being his job, simply because he wants to make people happy. Dude. And when he doesn't do that, he works at a food bank. And when he doesn't do that, he gives sweets to trick or treaters. And when he doesn't do that, he responds. Not at all antagonistically or, you know, uh, angrily at someone breaking his door down. No, he absolutely responds angrily. First of all, we won't get too deep into his character, but I don't think he has a job. I think... No, she says he has a trade. A trade? Oh, I She know. says outside of Who the... Says, maybe I, says? Uh, his would-be date. I don't oh, remember right. her name now. Outside the Liverpool Museum. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, I, well, the fact that his house is completely empty and there isn't any food and he's got a no, couple of that is dry oh, strands of spaghetti. That's a point. So maybe yeah. he, he does have a trade. He is a tradesman, but he is currently out of work. Yeah, so very possibly. Yeah, but he's too... They've made him too good. Oh, and uh, oh, what are the things that 
unfortunately got cut because we ran out of uh, runtime. Uh, did he save a kitten from a from a burning tree? Did he help a little old lady across the streets? Oh yeah, Liverpool's full of little old ladies with limited <laughs> mobility. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Here's a question for you. Do you think he's a good actor? It's too early to say. It really is. Uh, Based on his guided tour, do you think this man is a good actor? That was the weakest moment. I thought after that, when when he didn't have to be all wide and goggly-eyed and really purring about how much he loved Liverpool, where he was from, I'm Scouse, by the way, (laughs) I thought he relaxed immediately into the rest of the episode. I loved his scenes with the Carvanista. I loved every single one of them. as did I. As did I. Once he got on the spaceship, I really, really enjoyed him. Yeah. That, that That was good. But what I couldn't get over was the fact that we had him in the first place. I, I also couldn't really get over the beginning part of him because I don't like the setup of, of fuck, Dan Lewis. I can't, oh, I don't, is it Dan Lewis? It is it's Dan, Dan, Dan Lewis. I don't like the setup of Dan Lewis. Dude, he's no more saintly than Rory was. It's just that Rory engendered some sympathy because he had to put up with Amy freaking Pond. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But the reason I don't want Dan Lewis in this one is that we... I mean, maybe this is a topic of conversation all on its own, but we had a solid TARDIS team. We had the 13th Doctor and we had Yaz, a character who has already, in over the past, whatever it is, two or three seasons, had her, if you will, act one. Like, we've set up that character. So why now tear her down a little bit and steal some of her limelight and just give it to another dude? Like, is it just because there are people in the audience who would be enraged if the TARDIS were piloted by two women alone? I mean, that is certainly a theory, an opinion that has been advanced by sections of the internet. And there may be some truth in that behind the scenes. We may never know. Mm. Um Let's put a positive spin on it. Yaz and the Doc, we did get to see them just operating as a two-woman unit for large parts of this episode. Did you like how that went down? No. No. No? (laughs) No, not really. Uh, (laughs) Like I said, I I mean, I'm... Okay, hang on. Let me take a step back. I watched this twice. I watched this last last night live, you know, when it when it was airing, and I watched it this evening one more time. And last night, my reaction to this episode was really sort of on the negative side of things. I did not enjoy this episode. I, th- I think I was you and I were texting right as it began. I, I was maybe like two minutes into the opening action sequence when I texted you, like. I don't think I like this episode yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I'm not enjoying this. Well, that that is too early to say. That is absolutely too early. Yes, you're absolutely right. And now, on second viewing, I've I actually found that I enjoyed much of it much, much more, which gives me hope because I look forward to rewatching the whole Thirteenth Doctor era and hopefully liking it more than I did the first time around. Yeah, I think you will. I think the bads will remain as bad as we remember, but the goods will be better. But Yaz, Yaz and Doc in this one, I don't feel that this is, well, okay, I'm I'm not going to say it's not the right continuation of their rapport, but it's not the continuation of their rapport that I was expecting. And for that that reason, perhaps it was a little jarring to me. I felt that Yaz was quite bolshy towards Doc. Uh, In general, she was just kind of teetering on the arrogant side, sort of on on, on the edge, the verge of arrogance. And when she had moments that were meant to be slightly softer, 
when, for example, when they split up and she goes to rescue Dan, not Stevens, but Dan Lewis, sort it. When she goes to rescue Dan Stevens, uh, she has that moment where she turns around. There's basically a soft focus lens scene. The music goes up in the background and she's like, oh, my, uh, my name is uh, Yaz, formerly uh, uh, PC Yaz of the yada yada Sheffields, whatever, constabulary. That's the one. Uh, it was just, it was only the arrogant or super cheesy, and I just didn't really enjoy it. I do see what you're saying. I And I don't know what do else see- she really got to do in this. What else did she get to do? Not a ton. They did have her skip about a year in companion terms, didn't they? There, there sh- what there should have been was a series 12 and a half, where the Doc uh-huh. and Yaz get about three hours to really develop their characters. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then perhaps after that, I mean, the Doctor says, um, haven't I taken you on loads of adventures and shown you all the wonders of the universe? I almost feel like Yaz has been with the Doctor for about five years that we haven't seen. Yeah, I agree. It because, seems like they've had so much time together, simply because she's proficient in everything now. Yeah, she she can tell exactly the number of booby traps on this cage. Mm. She is talking to the doctor. I mean, she would have called the doctor out had she been around her for five years uh, on, why don't you ever tell me anything? We're supposed to be friends. Friends would have resolved that by now. So, okay, it hasn't yeah. been five years. Um Yeah, she did. She got to raise the volume in the TARDIS and not have ponderous graham and ryan reaction shots where they look at each other and and uh, yeah just slowing every scene down i did like the fact that they weren't there i like the fact that they got a mention and then we were like yeah and they're not there and that reminds us of how they're not there and how this scene is just that much more agile as a result yeah um so it's certainly a more interesting and i'm sorry so it was definitely better without them but still would have yeah, like you say, still would have benefited from a little improvement. Yeah, it, it's it's as though I mean I'm I'm very happy that they're not there because it does lend Yaz more dimensions. She's just a more you know multifaceted character. But <laughs> after five years or you know X years in the TARDIS, rather than just be full of wonderment and so happy to have seen the universe, she just seems kind of jaded and, <laughs> and a bit tetchy. Yes, that's not what I expected to see here. I, I wanted someone who's just like, oh, yay, we're going on another adventure. Hooray. Oh, we're going to save the universe. All right. Well, that's a challenge. I'm up for it. You know? Yeah, because she stayed behind in the TARDIS, whereas the boys left because exactly of going out and going to see the universe and having Bingo. her horizons broadened rather than... I mean, you don't want you have one small glimpse in three plus series of the 13th Doctor of two women alone in the TARDIS. You don't want one of them suddenly turning catty and shrill. (laughs) Show them getting along. (laughs) But with an underlying mystery that is yet to be resolved. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so we do get a lot of other characters here, though. It's not just the companions. I mean, this is this is why I was getting Praxius vibes. We, We have people in lots of different countries lots of different parts of the world also lots of different parts of the universe i guess yeah all announced by by those big block capitals yes exactly oh here's uh, someone in i can't remember where they were the arctic circle okay oh a chap with accent and lady with accent oh they are in a little red cottage somewhere in the arctic circle oh how exciting do we learn anything else about them no are they in an exotic location yes that's enough for chibbers so like g- great that, uh, it, <laughs> that's 
that's mean of me. But like it, that's the that's the same kind of treatment I feel that we had in prior Thirteenth Doctor serials. Oh, sorry, you're absolutely episodes. right. You're absolutely right. However, it's make so... them interesting solely by putting them far away. That's not enough. It's not enough, but it's so much better done here. I yes, still that's think true. that's because true because. It's not pretending to be Japan and then you're just round the back of a dingy alley that we've had, I think, perhaps in the very last special. It, it instead, was, yeah. <laughs> instead, it's in the Arctic Circle somewhere, so it's cold and it's distant, um, but it establishes a global scale. And then that gets expanded to the cosmic scale 30 trillion light years away. And okay, that is an arbitrarily gigantic number, but still... It, it conveyed to me more of a sense of this is a big universe we're dealing with. Not just that this is a big story, but that it's happening in a giant cosmos and it could go anywhere. And I like the fact that we were introduced to the Sontarans and the Weeping Angels and everything and everywhere. Same. And these two weirdos, one of whom has been in a prison since before the start of the universe, when before the first Doctor times or whatever. I liked all of it. I really did. And I think that if we hadn't had the first two series, if if we had just been thrown into this as Jodie's first episode, we would be off our tits with delight. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, the, the, the thing is that when we were first introduced to uh, Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor, with the the Tim Shaw narrative, yeah, we were off our tits with <laughs> delight. We loved it, all of us. Our instant reaction review at the time was off the chart positive, and then gradually we came to realize, oh, actually, the whole Tim Shaw thing maybe not as good as we thought. We were just like really wrapped up in in the exuberance of having a, a new Doctor, a new look and feel, a new everything. You know, everything was exciting. Yeah, trying to break new ground, take this show somewhere else but but this is better i agree with you this is this is better yeah because the first series was almost entirely set on earth yeah but and we didn't is... know that after. i mean i'm talking about the first episode i know, know i know but so this is what i'm saying is this is a galactic sized well cosmic sized first version of that first episode yeah true and honestly about 10 minutes in, actually, no, about two minutes in, when when you were texting me going, oh, I'm really not impressed, when they were whizzing <laughs> around and the camera was whizzing around them as well and the landscape was going everywhere and they were on the gravity bar, I was thinking, flipping heck, this is a live action Rick and Morty episode. It had yeah. all the verve and vigor of the wildest animation. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, I got some Rick and Morty vibes as well. The second time around. Only the second time around. But I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, the first time it, it, you needed to slough off some of your pessimism. And then the second time you were ready to receive that, that pure <laughs> adrenaline nectar just surging through you. Because honestly, they, they did a fantastic job. I actually feel like this was more spectacular in some ways than the whole of the last series of Rick and Morty. It puts, when, when the dog <laughs> ships all join together and seven billion to cloak the entire planet, it puts Rick and Morty's lame, oh no, Rick still has a drinking problem for some vague family conflict reason, so he's going to build some giant rock'em sock'em robot formation. Puts that to shame. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like maybe they were slightly inspired by Guardians of the Galaxy. Isn't mm. that Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Isn't that what that is? No, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is the Rings of a Carton. Isn't Guardi in Guardians of the Galaxy... I, I just very recently went through the whole MCU nonsense um, again. I say nonsense. It is nonsense. I still really enjoy it. 
in, I think it is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, all the little ships go into formation, form a net, uh, encircle the planets, um, try to prevent... Maybe it is the first one, actually. Uh, either way, they, they try to stop the invading force, yada, yada, yada. Oh, is that right? Okay. Mm, maybe it is the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I know exactly what you mean. Production value-wise, this was incredible. So well done. In- I'm incredibly impressed by the, the special effects work that went into this. Even tiny little, no, tiny little things, like the beaming effect, when they beamed down to the two guards or whatever, beamed down to the prison planets to inspect what's-his-face, not Tim Shaw. Yeah. Or, uh, you know what? Something that also stood out to me, the way that the TARDIS materializes in space looks different. Oh. Absolutely stunning. Really stunning effect. And it, let, let's not forget the TARDIS set work, the practical work of putting the door in the floor and Yeah, I quite like that. Messing with everything yeah i mean that was that was nice i i enjoyed the added door in the floor but that's okay you know what that's another scene that really it 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 ticked me off that dan stevens from beauty and the beast didn't react appropriately no he reacted hilariously i didn't like it i did not like it oh my mate's got one it's even bigger i love that oh that was yeah no that was a nice line that was a nice line but like oh that's a that's a weird place to put a door oh okay cool great Uh, i guess i'm not impressed by the fact that now i know that there are aliens i've been to outer space i'm in a space and time machine i've opened a door and looked out into the cosmos are you also an alien no but i mean that's a notion i'm now entertaining there wasn't an element of awe which i think is part of it not just for tradition's sake even though it is tradition but there is an element of awe that you just expect from a human being placed in the in those circumstances i mean that's absolutely true but yeah this is a short and Series, and we have we have Dan no time. Stevens from the guest is not a human being. No, he completely is because he has a soul-bonded dog alien who insists that yeah, he's my human. That, oh, the Carvanista. Oh, just the whole thing. Apart from <laughs> apart from I kept looking at his mouth being like, "Oh, I wish you were more convincing." Really? Oh, I I thought that outfit was it was perfect. I really really enjoyed it. Did oh, you I know did by too. the way? It was just everything apart from the I mean the eyes were expressive but the mouth, there was just so little movement in that area. I thought that they could have made that a bit more, they could have put a bit more, I don't know, just movement in there. I'm curious to see more of them. I mean, I'm assuming we'll see more of them. I'm curious to see if they're all the same breed of dog or if they're like, here's a Border Collie, here's a German Shepherd, here's a whatever. Yeah, here's, <laughs> Will here's the German a Border Shepherd Terrier played by a kid. Here's, here's a Poodle, here's, yeah. It, that, that could be really, really good. It could be a little bit like the cat people, whatever they were called. Maybe they would just call the cat people. You know who I mean, right? Yeah, cat kind. Cat kind, yes, exactly. Where yeah. there's, oh, there's a tabby cat, there's a whatever. Um, the Carvinista, I got a message from uh, Jethro Roos today. Uh, hello, Jethro. At Jethro underscore Roos, who mentioned Carvinista means hairy in Estonian. Oh, that's so good. It's fantastic. It's freaking incredible. Thank yeah. you very much, Jethro. Anyone in the uh, Cambridgeshire area, uh, head on over to uh, Jethro's Pub. I believe it's the Plough. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I have a question about how the dogs match the... No, sorry, the Lupari. How yeah. they match the number of humans. If if they learn that a human pregnancy is, is about three weeks away, do they have to be like, right, we better get shagging. <laughs> 
I think, I mean, for them, <laughs> shagging and having big litters, not a problem. They're dog people. <laughs> the problem is really, oh no, I, you know what? Because of the economy on Earth, people just aren't having kids as rapidly or as, as early as we expected. Uh, we need to cull a bunch of our population to really match things up. Yeah, yeah. What do they do when pandemics strike? Don't think about that. This is a family show. And for a family show, how many people were just disintegrated and atomized? Yeah. That was that was no holds barred brutality right there. It really was, yeah. And again, another spectacular effect. Very nicely done. Yeah. I love uh, the bits that grow out of what's his face, not Tim Shaw's head. Well, that's just it. He is a much better version of Tim Shaw. And if anything, his sister is even even better. Better, I hesitate to say better looking. Um, even more impressively designed. Yeah, realized. I do think better looking. By the way, well, I, I mean, got, like if, lots of cool colors going on there. If I had to choose, I would chop it off. <laughs> That's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> you had that right. Uh, the. <laughs> There's an interesting mystery there as well that I look forward to learning more about or uncovering as we go through the flux season. And what is his name, by the way? This, either way, Swarm. this man. Yes, Swarm. Thank you. Swarm knows the Doctor. They have been dancing their merry dance around the universe, around time and space. Yeah. Yeah. Who could this be? I mean, I know you hate the idea of pre-first Doctors, but... This is a nice thing to do with that, isn't it? No, it no. If you I, have to have it, why not go in this direction? We do not have to have it. If you have to have it, why not go in this direction? Because, dude, it's happened. You just got to get on board. No, it doesn't have to have happened. I am very. I I would be completely on board with Doc thinking that it happened, that that was the case. Okay. Until it is revealed. Sorry. This is an act of the master as hired. Yeah, for example, it, it's, <laughs> it could be anything. It's it, either way. It, it's a Gallifreyan conspiracy, simply to it, pull the wool over our eyes. Y- yes, uh, I mean, sorry, no, this does not need to have happened. <laughs> and if Chibbers is really trying before he leaves Doctor Who to cement that that was the case, then no, I'm sorry, I'm not on board. Back to the positives. Yeah, here we go. I think Chibbers has discovered in lockdown, I don't know how, perhaps he was binge-watching old comedies or something, or just the entire yeah. history of British comedy, but he, this episode was funny, I thought. It was in a, funny, yeah. In a way that Chibbers' episodes previously just haven't been. They've had the odd line, but this one, there were more than chuckles at multiple points. When the doctor has her handcuffs on, and she's like, maybe, maybe I, I programmed it when I was Scottish. Release, yeah. release. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was really a, a really funny line. I agree. <laughs> it was a much better written or polished rather, much better polished script than prior Chibnall scripts. Yeah, I mean, surely you've got to go with me and say this is the best episode Chibbers has ever written. It's certainly a candidate, but I think I just need to... Th- this is not because I doubt the merits of this episode, it's because I need to go through the list of episodes that he's written. Well, he's written basically all the 13th era, and Fugitive of the Jadoon, I think, he had at least a co-write on. And I think that was my favourite up was to a good that one. point. That was, that was a good a very one. Very good one. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I mean, yeah, it might be a better episode. Sure. Yeah, maybe I'll give you that. But it has other flaws. I mean, I I, I think it's 
automatically, I mean, by definition, it is not as good a script as it could have been because in this script he chose to write and all the people who chose to, you know, uh, bump it up and polish it and etc. chose not to excise the character of Dan Stevens from that German film about the love robot. And also, we already discussed the depiction of Yaz could have been dealt with differently. I'm not saying that it was poorly written, it's just uncharacteristic of Yaz. Yeah, those are definitely the weakest points of the episode, but having had months to get to grips with the fact that John Bishop was coming, whether we liked it or not, I was pleasantly surprised with how he did, and how okay. they handled it, and sure. all the stuff when the when the Carvanista <laughs> calls them up after they've escaped, and he says, he says give me back my human. And John Bishop goes, I'm not your human. <laughs> Just having an argument instantly. I, they're like an old married couple. I thought they did so well. I'm glad that you thought so. I was not quite as enthused myself, but I'm very glad that you were. I'm, I have a feeling that a lot of people who watched last night's episode were equally enthused. I, How could you not love a Northern dog? <laughs> I don't. I, I've got to save him, but I don't have to love him. He's infuriating. <laughs> I know I've been playing bad cop here. The thing is, I don't utterly dislike this episode. I don't know if we're doing ratings today, but if we were, it wouldn't be a super negative rating. I, I mean, just. I don't think we are doing ratings today. No. Well, I just feel like there are certain things that I was disappointed by, and unfortunately, sure. I'm not saying you know, this is a 5.0, but I'm saying that I'd give it a fairly high mark. Okay. Uh, I look forward to rewatching this in about, let's say, a year's time or something, and uh, and then, yeah. Maybe at that point, I will have come around to Dan Stevens of Downton Abbey fame. He's not the only Dan in the episode. Dan Starkey! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the Welsh potatoes. They're all Welsh now, the Sontarans. I don't know why, but they are, boy all. Playing a, a different Sontaran. Can't remember his name now, but um, what do you think of the new Sontaran look? I like it. It's, it's very lived in. Yeah. The broken teeth that testify to many, many years on campaigns living off military rations or maybe being punched in the face and, oh, gnarled yes. skin. and Yeah. Hardened veteran potatoes. Yeah. They've gone from Maris Piper to just full-on jacket. Like, it is... Full solid. potato metal jacket. Yeah. <laughs> full, full metal jacket potato. There you go. Yes, that's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> right there we go that's that's certainly making its way into the one line synopsis for the website thank you for that <laughs> oh and i love i love just their eagerness for battle we've had strax and he was fun great but to see them doing that nasty tongue work at the Ugh. thought of massacres yeah oh, oh, man. that is some erotic stuff isn't it i'll tell you what i liked most about this episode right here we go yes Hit me. Previously, Chibnall stuff has just followed, I don't know what sort of script writing school in being like, okay, so you do this and then you take it somewhere unexpected and it just sort of peters out and it goes nowhere and there's no ending to it or whatever. Here, he's taken the principle of what would be the coolest thing to happen at this point and just gone mm. with it. Like... The, the, the woman loses her husband on the pillow and screams and reacts. And then the coolest thing is that she turns out, it suddenly flips and she's the sister. And then Jodie Whittaker is like, what's the coolest thing I could do here? Anna, I'll give you a little t time vortex energy. And you see it going 
out the TARDIS and you think, way, go TARDIS. And then the coolest thing possible <laughs> is that it has absolutely zero fucking effect. And yeah. everything's in even bigger shit than before. <laughs> Everything is designed to subvert expectations. And that's super effective. It's really, really good. I could totally agree with you. Yeah. But before he subverted expectations by doing something unpredictable, but just worse. Like there was a reason why <laughs> why episodes follow templates, and he was just like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna reject all that and do my own thing." And his own thing was standing around talking and no ending. But here, all oh, great. Yeah, is it sort of Act One, a series of setbacks, uh, and it will not end even when the credits are rolling. Yeah, by then you are tumbling out of the TARDIS door, much like Jodie Whittaker did in her first ten seconds on screen. But instead of yeah. falling to Earth, we're falling into the flux, and we don't even know what it is. I know. I know. The, the, the stakes are so high. To come back to Rick and Morty, they had their big season ending one where it was just like, oh, guess what? We've opened up a bit more of the universe and next week, next season, there'll be some slightly differently templated Ricks and Mortys. Wank, wank, wank. But here, the whole universe <laughs> is in trouble. Holy shit. I thought, you, I mean, of the two of us, you're the one who absolutely adores Rick and Morty. What's going on, man? Are you okay? No, I'm saying that, I'm saying that <laughs> Rick and Morty had the baton for a while, but I, I uh-huh. honestly feel like Doctor Who's grabbed it with one hand with this yep. episode and the next with the next five possibly it's going to wrench it back again and take the initiative and Dan Harmon's going to be like shit I'm going to raise my game uh, okay well I mean I, I would welcome that that's what uh, we want we want the Doctor Who Beatles to be driving on the Dan Harmon Beach Boys <laughs> to the point of insanity <laughs> and back again Okay. To ever greater artistic heights. Okay, Dan Harmon is a demigod, and it's a race that both participants can win. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they don't, don't win. We, the viewers, other. win. <laughs> <laughs> Simply by having both of them participate. Yes, actually, yes, you're right. But <laughs> I think what, what that means is, effectively, you are more excited about this season, this coming season, than you are, relatively speaking, by the prospect of another season of Rick and Morty based on your last impression of it. Possibly true. Okay. Agreed, but I'm kind of more excited about any season of Doctor Who ever, regardless of anything. And I also thoroughly enjoy Rick and Morty. Morty, But yeah, I think this season is, it's looking very promising. That is a good way of, you know, deriving a concluding summary if we're wrapping this up. I've been waiting for it for ages and I feel like very little of the promise has been trodden underfoot yet. Maybe Yaz, maybe Yaz is the one area, as you've been saying. But Yeah, Yaz needs to, okay, well, a, a good number of things will need to be improved here. I, I'm not saying that all of a sudden I'm on board with everything here. Absolutely not. We haven't talked about Jerdy. Oh, we haven't talked about Jerdy. What about Jerdy? How do you think she did? She was scrappy. She was taking on a man in a scrappy-do outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was very good. For once, I enjoy the mystery of the Mm. 13th Doctor. Mm. Much more so than I have in prior seasons. So, yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah, There are a few things that aren't her fault, but that are in the script that she did that I didn't enjoy. Or that I didn't feel were particularly Doctor-like. But, no, Jodie Whittaker was was terrific. It's something that stands out. Why is she beating the shit out of the TARDIS with a mallet? (laughs) Minor adjustments. Final adjustments. Bonk! Yeah, and, and then quite, quite a the, few. The TARDIS likes a little bit of rough and tumble, but then later on when it gets urgent, she's like, sorry, bonk, sorry, bonk. 
But she's breaking it over and over again. I, I wasn't, yeah, I, I, I just didn't like it. I, I'm just too enamored with the TARDIS in general. I just, I don't want anyone abusing it. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I thought that it actually spoke to the Doctor's natural rhythm being to have one companion, maximum two, in that when she is saying to Yaz what their plan is in the Carvanista ship. Yeah. The, oh, I like just, that scene. Yeah, the scene takes the right amount of time. There are the right amount of tur- the, there are the right number of turns and it ju- it's just so much easier to make funny. And yeah, it was I agree. funny. It was very funny. There, there was one very brief exchange. It was almost it was an exchange that the thirteenth Doctor had with herself, where she goes, "All right, let's synchronize watches. No, scrap that. I'm not wearing a watch. We're yeah. going to do this," it, which which felt very that was super duper Doctor like. I mm-hmm. loved that. That was very very nice. But you know what I didn't like afterwards? What I didn't feel was natural was when she's left the frame. Then there's just a line or two written for Yaz, where Yaz is talking to herself as though continuing the conversation with the doctor. It's like, oh, yeah, am I confused now? Yes. Uh, do I know what's going on? No, I don't. I, I, I can't remember the, the exact words, but I didn't feel that 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 was a natural progression of that scene. That was something that was written for the benefit of perhaps a younger audience rather than for Yaz's benefit as such. Or maybe I just watch more stuff that's skewed towards juveniles because... I felt like I'd seen that sort of thing done before, and I agree. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't stand out as particularly bad, but like okay. I say, not particularly great either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, we we haven't talked about Grey Worm. Grey Worm. What's Grey Worm? What's his name? Grey Worm, the leader of the Unsullied. I can't remember his name here. The the chap who's in a space station by himself as the oh, nexus yes. from star trek genesis or generations approaches yeah hmm yeah well i mean we're not going to do any more episodes on flux uh, no that's true land, unless perhaps there is call for a bonus after the sixth episode after the whole thing is wrapped up if our socks are thoroughly knocked off <laughs> then perhaps we'll come back and say what a triumph but otherwise, yeah. this is all you'll hear from us for a year or so. Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he needs to be developed. I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to be a bit part character who was just gone by 25 minutes in. But no, he's Oh, I don't think so. He's in the trailer for it. And seems fairly action-y. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had the, the same, same reaction you did to the trailer. That, oh, wow, there's a lot of action here. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, he was a badass. He was Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. He was an utter badass. Oh, badass. When you yeah, said- he was a bad uh, I was nervous for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was terrific. And I mean in Game of Thrones, and for that reason I assume that you know, you know, he he he's been in the spotlight for quite some time. Like, you know, he's 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 relatively famous, so they're not gonna just sacrifice him for this thing. It's also the first time that well, I don't know, the first time that he's doing something with a lot of exposure where he gets to use his real accents. As Grey Worm, the Unsullied, he uh, he spoke in a weird magic accent, you know? Oh, okay. Oh, no, magic accent, fantasy, you know what I mean. Oh, dear, I hope... Hmm, I suppose he might be the third companion in a new Team TARDIS. Oh. Oh, no! I, I think, in a sense, he might be, or he'll be going off on a couple of solo missions to do action-packed stuff. Like, I almost imagine him being a mix of the following two characters. Captain Jack, because he's young, handsome, cool, a badass, probably is really good with a laser rifle or whatever, and probably knows martial arts, because everyone needs to know martial arts in the fucking future. 
Um, <laughs> and the second character being the guy who's, I want to say he's a detective with the police in Praxius. Do you remember the guy whose boyfriend is an astronaut and he has this minority complex because he's literally dating or possibly married an astronaut and he himself is not an astronaut. Like, how can you compete with that? So he has this massive complex and when the astronaut goes missing, he goes on the hunt. Like, he's like, fuck it, I'm a badass detective, I'm gonna solve this crime. And he just goes off on his own solo mission. That is a marvellous two-minute-long description. It has rung zero bells, I'm afraid. Um, Was that two minutes? I'm really sorry. (laughs) As long as he doesn't turn out to be a new Ryan, I'm happy. Yeah, it's not going to be a new Ryan. Surely not. Well, people were worried that Dan would be a new... Graham. Precisely. Yeah. Or Brian, as Marie might say. (laughs) (laughs) Since you suggested that we introduce this with a one-sentence review, would you like to try to summarise your view of this in one sentence before we move on to some... uh, of podcast lands instant reactions okay i'm gonna give mine a sort of public service angle which is that if you have listened to this episode but haven't dared watch the first episode the halloween apocalypse of flux yet because you lost faith in doctor who and jodie whittaker and chibnall over the first two series of her run as i've seen on twitter some people have yeah i would urge you my one-line review is it's worth watching and it's a great romp and it fills you with a surprising amount of hope and optimism yeah i think that's a lovely way of summarizing it um I would also suggest that anyone watch this who hasn't watched it, even though we may have spoiled it for you at this point. Apologies for that. Um, But we haven't. We haven't. You really have to see it. The spectacle is amazing and beyond description. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, even watching it a second time today, knowing exactly where it was heading, I I was thrilled. I was mesmerized. One line review... I am genuinely looking forward to this novel approach. <laughs> Actually, not that novel, we didn't say this, but this re-approach <laughs> of the season-long story arc format. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the continuation of Flux, uh, yeah. despite all prior negative criticism. It's, it's going to be exactly as long as 12, 25-minute episodes once it's completed, and therefore could come to be known as the Chibnall's master plan. <gasps> <laughs> cool, yeah. Super looking forward to that. Shall we have a look at what's uh, podcast land uh, things? Because we did receive a couple of minis in the mail. Let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250. Or it would get out of hand. Kablamatron. Welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Kablamatron is a great one word review. (laughs) If one line is too much, Kablamatron is your word. For this episode. Very, very nice. Yeah, I I think you're probably onto something there. What does Podcast Land think? How many reviews have we got, Drew? Well, we've cobbled together four. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but only two of them were actually sent to us uh, in the mail. One was sent to us via Twitter, and uh, one we have just stolen off Twitter. Yeah, old ex-co-host IP is Humak Wen IP, right? Is that I, according I, to the terms of the contract you made him sign? Certainly, yes. JD knows exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Hi, JD. <laughs> 
Thanks in advance, JD. Let's start elsewhere, though. Let's start with the inbox. We've got two minis from Podcast Land via email. One comes from Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Hi, Andy. <laughs> Andy starts, hi, gang. Well, wowzers, I may be suffering a dopamine rush after having no new apps for a while, but blimey, this one walked up and smacked you right in the kisser. <laughs> Andy's supplied a list of likes and beefs. His first like is, the visuals are amazing. I don't think the show has ever looked this good. Agreed. Next like, Yaz feels so much more confident. Yeah. That's definitely true. That is true. Yeah. And he's next like, and we're not even halfway yet. There are so many strands to develop. I can't wait to see how they pan out. Ditto. Next like, cliffhangers are back, baby. <laughs> next like, the flux looks fluxing scary. I mean... We did say he looks better than Tim Shaw, but... Oh, the flux. Oh, the oh, flux. I was, I was thinking no, of the... Swarm. Everything looks fluxing scary in this That is one. true. I am... I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a teeny tiny bit worried that in the next part, in part two of the flux, of Doctor Who flux, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor is going to come to and she'll be having whatever they are, like Ulsurian ostrich eggs for breakfast with Captain Kirk. Oh, like in Generations. Exactly. Oh, no! <laughs> Uh, next like, last like, I get strong eSpace Logopolis vibes. Ooh, interesting. I got very squeaky there. That's an excellent like, Andy. So check out Logopolis. Good stuff. After this thorough cataloging of the greatness of this episode, Andy veers into a couple of beefs. First, beef. John Bishop as Dan did have a bit of a ropey start. Mm. He grew into it the longer it went on, but it wasn't the greatest performance. Mm -hmm. Where I instantly bought into Bradley Walsh's portrayal of Graham, I think John Bishop might take a bit longer. It was filmed during lockdown, though, and that must have been tough, so I can let it slide for now. That's a good point. Actually, you know what? I'm going to interject with another another observation. In the, uh, I'm guessing, drone shot of Liverpool Museum as it's approaching, there's no one anywhere. Like, there's no track. There are no people on the street. There's nothing. It doesn't. It, it's not the booming museum landscape that you expect. You know. It's because everybody's already inside. They love the museum. <laughs> yeah, best museum ever. Fuck you, Louvre. <laughs> this is a. Fa- <laughs> we've got the inventors. We've got the footballers. I can't do the accent. <laughs> when did Paris Saint Germain last win the Champions League? <laughs> And he has one more boof, namely the Carvinista. Okay, cute dog thing, but it just feels wrong. I don't know if it's there for the kids, uh, but I didn't like him. Kind of feels like the Ewoks in Star Wars. I just don't buy that it, that he's tough or vicious. I mean, count me as a kid in this instance, because I freaking love the fact I've mentioned on Doctor <laughs> Who previously that we get all these cats, all these sexy space cats, because yeah. all these sci-fi writers want to go fuck cats, whatever. That's right. And Absolutely. Dogs in space are just <laughs> the lamest things. I think this is a great addition and expansion of the canine space cannon. I completely agree with you, yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah, and Chibnall may even have been listening to us and thought, you know what, I'm going to chuck out that cat idea I had, and thanks to who back when, <laughs> I'm going to put a little fluffy dog in there. Yeah, exactly. Still has a tail, Leon's going to be on board. Yeah, seven foot long, northern accent. God, I love northern accents. <laughs> oh, the M62 corridor has never been better represented. <laughs> Overall, though, Andy thought it was a cracking opening episode, and perhaps for the first time in New Who, I'm actually excited for next week. For the first time in New Who? Oh my goodness. That's something that hasn't happened since Classic Era. (laughs) 
wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close. And Andy awards this 4.9 glowing blue laser axes out of 5. <laughs> Andy, you've got a huge heart. <laughs> yeah. Love the rating. Love the rating system. And that blue laser axe was freaking, it was fluxing badass. Mm. Very nice. Thank you very much, Andy. People who are not Andy can follow Andy online. High five him. Please tell him hi from us. He can be found at Caffrey's, what, Drew? 71. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Who's next? It's the one, the only, Tracy, Tracy from, from America. America. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> Tracy begins four or five strangers, each with a story, unrelated. We learn who they are and what they're about. But are their stories about to be intertwined? Spoilers, yes. <laughs> Like it or hate it, Tracy continues, this is a Chibnall format. For me, it's gotten old quick. This episode did not engage me, and I'm not enthusiastic about what's ahead, but willing to be surprised, I guess. And because Tracy didn't like this, she's going to rate it a no point no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's an excellent rating. <laughs> you have a huge fist, Tracy. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Thank you very much, Tracy. Um, people who are not Tracy. Uh, Drew, do you reckon people who are not Tracy could follow Tracy on Twitter? Could, would, definitely should. She can be found at... Yekonyadnoof. That's, That's found in Tracy. Backwards, almost. <laughs> we both slowed down there. Did we both slow down? I feel like we both slowed down we, in we an attempt did. to sync up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tracy. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> well, uh, this next one came from uh, the Twitter sphere, naming from Paul Cole. Hello, Paul Cole. Hello, Paul Cole. Four five six two. <laughs> Four five six two. The numbers. I did not know that Paul Cole was such a common name. <laughs> Is that your pin number, Paul Cole? <laughs> Paulco says, uh, amazing start, lots of action, plots, and all the new aliens. Great cliffhanger. Takes me back to when I was a kid. Adding, uh, let's hope BBC or Twitter don't spoil the anticipation. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much echoes our sentiments. Yeah, yeah. waste zero time. 50 minutes. Okay, there's a lot of stuff needs bringing together. I'm not entirely subtweeting Tracy in saying this, but I, I, I feel like for, for the first act of a six-episode arc, th this is where Chibnall's format works best. It's in a single episode where you don't need the, guess what, there's some people over here, and guess what, there's a bit of Dalek in Siberia, yawn, yawn, yawn. Yeah, that is, uh, okay, that is true. That is true. How does this, uh, how long was Praxius, how long was the last special? Praxius would have been a regular 50 minutes, and the special would have been an hour, maybe. Okay, this is Praxius territory. This had the exact same kind of setup as Praxius, but just stretched across the entire run. So much more. I mean, no wonder, uh, as I recall, none of us really enjoyed Praxius. <laughs> At the time, at the time, at the time. Yeah, and, and they I had a character. They had a character that it took you longer to describe than they had time on screen. And I feel like there was a spoke there was an astronaut there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and was this the character that just flat out died halfway through, and nobody batted an eyelid? You know what? Don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe it was his astronaut boyfriend. I'm assuming that they had a happy ending. I, I don't think they, I don't think there were many happy endings in practice. We're talking way too much about Praxius. Yeah, he's yeah. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul Cole. Four, five, six, two. Uh, next up, we've got uh, uh, someone who did not tweet at us because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He, he knew we'd have his we- back. Exactly. And his IP. <laughs> he knew he'd be reading his tweets. These are tweets tweeted by a former Who Back When co-host JD. Hello, JD. JD says, well, having watched every episode of Doctor Who multiple times, I can say that Doctor Who Flux is one of my single favorite episodes. <gasps> And he is the world authority. He is the living, breathing Doctor Who lexicon. Yeah. Yeah. JD continues. Dare I try and do a JD impression? Yes, yes absolutely do it. Do okay, it. here we go. <laughs> As a scouser from Liverpool, having my favourite TV show... <laughs> so self-conscious. Visiting <laughs> Liverpool in not only this episode, but future ones, I am a very happy person. Hashtag Doctor Who at John Bishop 100. <laughs> It's like having JD in the room. <laughs> oh, you, you bastard. <laughs> JD, I hope you don't mind us uh, reading your tweets here. Reading your, your opinion and your voice. <laughs> well, one of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I'm very, gla- very glad to have someone represent the John Bishop fan side of things. Yeah, I feel like I tried to defend him as well, but sure. <laughs> People who are not JD and who perhaps also would like to plagiarize his <laughs> tweets on their podcasts, uh, where can they find JD, Drew? He can be found at Marius Kane. That's Kane with a K. Thanks, JD. Yeah, thanks, JD. <laughs> and that quite neatly encapsulates our Flux instant reaction soiree. As Drew said, uh, we will not be doing instant reactions for the next ones uh, in Flux, but we do have other Doctor Who goodness coming up. What is coming up next, Drew? We don't know which one's coming next, but the next in the new Who channel will be N143, The Doctor Falls. Correct, Mundo. And at some point, we will also do a classic. And at that point, it will be Warriors from the Deep, which I'm super duper looking forward to. It turns out there are uh, quite a lot of scheduling conflicts uh, between the four of us across the month of November. So we are we are working out our calendars. We are syncing our shit right up. And as soon as we know, we will let you know uh, when those episodes drop. In the meantime, though, you can say hello to us online. Uh, Drew, you're available on uh, Twitter, I believe. I am at Drew Back When. Fantastic. Excellent Brandon. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And you, sir, how's your branding looking these days? It's excellent. You can find me on uh, Twitter as well. I am at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-N. High five me. I will high five you right back. That's not Podkin, P-O-D-K-I-N. It's Ponkin, (laughs) P-O-N-K-E-N. That's true. Yeah, that's right. So, hope you've enjoyed this instant reaction. Uh, please be around and excellent to each other. Continue to stay safe. Rock on and uh, cha ciao. Bye bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?